The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. It's time to get fired up. Fired Up is a show that delivers both business impact and social importance. Get ready to explore the connection between communications and human motivation. Our guests will share ideas on how to create higher returns on your communication investments by engaging the people who matter most. Our host, Gordon Rudo, CEO of Bonfire Communications, has bridged the communications gap from startups and nonprofits to the Fortune 500, from political leaders to celebrity CEOs. Get ready to be fired up with your master communicator, Gordon Rudo. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back to Fired Up at Webmaster Radio, as you can tell. I am fired up. I'm, I'm trying to pull together, as Michael describes, all the chi that I can right now um, because I have a five-week-old sleeping in my bed, but we won't spend a, a whole lot of time there. I'm doing everything I can to keep the energy flowing here, but we got a terrific guest, so we'll just spend time uh, with him throughout the episode. Not too much set up today, but just to get a little background. Um, we are closing down the season. We're getting really close to the end here. And in winding down uh, what has been a terrific season and lots of different distinctions and different perspectives, uh, before we come to some conclusions and summaries, as we will in the last couple episodes, I want to add some more to the soup, so to speak, and, and to focus on some new, uh, some new depth in the areas of creativity and innovation and even conscious business. And if you remember, last week we talked to Dove Froman talking about daydreaming. And for those of you who thought daydreaming from a business perspective was kind of out there, um, then you might want to just change stations right now and listen to SEO rock stars or something because we're going to get out there today with Michael. So daydreaming is just going to be the beginning. We're going to talk about genius thinking. And this is uh, Michael Gelb, who is considered the world's leading authority on the application of genius thinking uh, for personal and organizational development. If you don't know Michael, he's written a, a several books that you may be familiar with. Uh, the biggest one uh, that has hit the book stands and is a bestseller for years is How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, The Seven Steps to Genius Every Day. I think he has a new book that he'll talk to us about, How to Think Like Edison, and he's got some new material around that, but he's also written The Art of Juggling, which was a classic, and things that range from the Alexander Technique to how to present yourself. So we're going to talk about a range of things and throw curveballs at Michael throughout the morning because he is a juggler and he knows how to do that. Um, so we'll just start off with some definitions. Morning, Michael. Good morning. Great to have you. Thanks for joining. And as we get into the episode, there's a lot of distinctions that you have that I think require some definition just to frame out the morning. Uh, when you talk about genius thinking, what do, you, what do you mean by genius thinking? Well, what I really mean and what's most significant uh, for everyone is I mean the thinking that we're all capable of. <laughs> like that uh, five-month-old that's in your bed, uh, we're all born with virtually unlimited potential for creativity. Uh, we've got at least 100 billion brain cells and the number of possible connections between them is virtually unlimited. 
Uh, however, this amazing problem-solving mechanism, the human brain, does not and hasn't up till now come with a user's manual, which is why I had to write How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci and Innovate Like Edison and everything else that I write. So uh, the, the real key is that this is something that we tend to think of genius as these great historical figures who changed uh, consciousness forever, and, and obviously that's a great place to start in learning about how to use your mind. And then if you want to develop your abilities, you, you focus on these great transformational role models and you figure out how you can apply what they did to your life. So that's the idea. So that's a quick definition, one more quick definition, and we're going to spend time in the material. But I know that you're really active in, in conscious capitalism. And I look through some material that uh, you're going to speak at and, and keynote and help facilitate some conversation in October, um, mm -hmm. the conscious capitalism effort. W what is conscious business? What is conscious capitalism? Can you help us define what that is? Sure, sure, with pleasure. Well, I, when I first started uh, 30 years ago leading seminars uh, writing about the potential of the mind, uh, I was inspired uh, to work with organizations. I actually I even moved to Washington, D.C., uh, because I thought it was the place where consciousness was most needed, and obviously despite my tenure, that still continues to be the case. But uh, I had this uh, sense that um, if, uh, if we were going to make a difference in the world, it was going to happen through organizations where power and money and influence were concentrated. And that uh, the key, you know, it's funny, it's the 40th year of uh, Woodstock, and you know, what I realized is that uh, 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 hippies rolling around in the mud weren't really going to <laughs> transform the world, that we had a much better shot of making a difference by working with organizations and corporations, and that the secret was to get those folks uh, to see the potential that they had for transformation and to bring more consciousness to those organizations. So I began working with uh, big companies. Uh, and, uh, you know, at, the mo at that time, there wasn't the, the name conscious capitalism hadn't yet uh, been put forth. Uh, but I just kept uh, working away over the decades with that as my, my inspiration, my, my sense of purpose to make a difference in society by humanizing organizations. And, um, well, it turns out that a bunch of other people were thinking the same way, and they've come together in this movement called the Conscious Business Alliance, and they sponsor this event called Catalyzing Conscious Capitalism. Uh, John Mackey, the founder of Whole Foods, is one of the major players in this, along with a gentleman named uh, Jeff Klein, who uh, just published a great book called Working for Good. Uh, so a bunch of like-minded folks uh, who, who over the years have also believed and been working in different ways uh, to help make organizations and corporations uh, more awake, more attuned to all their stakeholders, to the greater good of the society. And here's the most exciting part about it. Um, a friend of mine who's a professor at Bentley Business School uh, Raj Sisodia wrote a wonderful book called Firms of Endearment. And his thesis is that companies that treat people humanely, that take a long-term view, that consider the environment, that 
fundamentally work for the greatest good of the society, that those companies long-term are more profitable. So that's the real uh, essence of conscious capitalism. That's a terrific segue into the show. That's really what we've been focusing on, Michael, for 20 weeks now and trying to get folks like you who understand the pieces of this to, to pull these pieces together and create a picture for us of how do we need to apply some of these principles, what are some best practices, and what are some things that we can do to just get started. Um, so working humanely, focusing on the long term, focusing on the greatest good, allowing for the greatest potential or the genius of each individual who works in an organization to, to flourish. Um, but we're going to take a short break and talk about how do we do that in this current society and in the current situation where organizations are facing people in fear and, and dealing with a lack of resources and where individuals are watching their friends walk out with their pink slips and pack in their offices. So we have a tough economy and some difficult situations, but I think this is exactly what's necessary is to think about the long term and understand inside of this context how do we treat people not only humanely, but inspire something really positive to come out of this. So we're going to take a short break and, and take these distinctions and these definitions into some action with Michael Gelb. We'll short break and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. Are you happy with your landing page performance? Discover how to improve your landing page performance with ConversionCritic.com. Brought to you by Engine Ready. Turn your underperforming landing pages into cost-effective sales-producing machines. Be sure you're not wasting your precious PPC budget. Conversion Critic tools give you the ingredients to create high converting landing pages. You don't have to be an expert to use Engine Ready's Conversion Critic tools, but you'll feel like a landing page pro. Take the guesswork out of increasing your conversion rate. Visit conversioncritic.com and boost your conversion rate for free. That's www.conversioncritic.com. Here's your bill. Thank you so much, guys. Hey, it's all right. I'll take care of the tab, Jason. Well, thanks, Dave. How are you doing so well these days? It seems everyone's in a pinch for cash. RevenueWire.com, that's how. RevenueWire? Yeah, RevenueWire.com is an all-in-one platform offering affiliates high-demand software from top-notch PC utility merchants. With 75% commissions, twice-monthly payouts, incredibly accurate analytics tools, RevenueWire is making me more money today than I did in the last few years put together. Even in this economy? Especially in this economy. RevenueWire has a ton of great products to meet the demand. I'm telling you, this network is recession-proof. RevenueWire, the recession-proof network platform. For more information, visit RevenueWire.com today. That's RevenueWire.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the entertainment channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. You're getting fired up. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. So, Michael, let's get rolling yeah. into this. So you set sure. some stage for us. 
and we talked about what is consciousness inside of organizations, what is genius thinking. Um, why don't you give us a sense right now, how, what are some of the best practices or what are you seeing your clients ask for today? Uh, what are they coming to you for and, and what are you helping them think about? Well, the good news is they, they, they call me up and they say, we want you to teach us how to think like Leonardo da Vinci, or they say, we'd like you to teach us how to innovate like Thomas Edison, and I can do both of those things for them, so that's a lot of what I do. Uh, when, uh, when we work on the uh, da Vinci principles, and there, there are plenty of companies uh, all over the world who have taken the, the da Vinci principles and used them as kind of a core guidance for the organizational culture. Uh, the first principle for thinking like Leonardo is, in Italian, it's curiosità, which means endless curiosity. And one of the things I've observed over the years is that the key to a really creative, innovative, healthy culture is when people feel free to ask challenging questions. And, you know, a lot of us went to school, and unfortunately when we went to school, getting the right answer was more important than asking the challenging question. And that get the right answer mentality worked fine when we were in the bureaucratic age and things didn't change so quickly and you didn't have to be as creative and resourceful as you have to be now. But uh, the, the get the right answer, follow the rule book, uh, mentality, it just uh, doesn't cut it anymore. We need that kind of, well, it's like, it's, it's what, the good news is it's what we're all born with. Uh, the most curious people are children. <laughs> and we need that reawakening of that passionate curiosity about how do we operate in a more creative, intelligent, thoughtful, efficient, effective uh, fashion. Uh, and that, more than any other element that the power of curiosita in the workplace is what makes the, the reality of the learning organization. And it's also critical for everybody on an individual basis uh, to, to ask the kinds of questions that are going to help you manage the challenges of this very stressful time so that uh, you know, you're not... You're not you're not asking questions like, oh, no, what am I going to do now? There's no hope. <laughs> but rather, how can I take this opportunity, uh, grow and learn? How can I find a market for my services? Uh, how can I develop my skills and services? How can I communicate them more effectively? Uh, what, what are the ways in which I can offer people unique help and advice and guidance? Uh, so... You focus, you know, your mind will respond to the questions that it's asked. So that internal process of questing, both on an individual basis or organizational basis, uh, that's the real beginning of, of the creative process. Well, let's talk about it at an organizational level. Uh, I think that most organizations would agree philosophically that we want to gather the collective intelligence of the organization to solve our difficult problems. And there's certainly new 2.0 technologies that facilitate that. I referenced a great article in Fast Company that was earlier this year about John Chambers and, and Cisco, where they decentralized a lot of decision-making to do, as you say, kind of free up the organization to solve the problems together or to innovate products together uh, or processes. 
whatever the issues are, but what's in the way? If you can help us understand some of the root cause issues, is this the fear of management, uh, of losing control? What are some of the real roadblocks that we need to get through to actually facilitate this sort of free flow of, of inquiry to help the organization address big problems? Well, when we're talking about large corporations in particular, uh, there's a phenomenon that I've, I've noticed. Uh, uh, I call it the they phenomenon. People say, we'd like to do this, but they won't let us. And uh, you know, the big revelation, of course, is that we are all they. I once did a seminar for uh, one of the Baby Bell companies and had 700 managers, 70 at a time. And they kept saying, you know, we'd like to, we'd like to create, uh, I call it this democracy of ideas. We'd like to get everybody engaged. We'd like to come to meetings with challenging questions. We'd like to uh, reward that kind of behavior, but they won't let us. And I said, well, what do you mean? You're all the managers. You are they. <laughs> we actually started the seminar by having everybody lean over and write the name they on everybody else's name tag. Uh-huh. Uh, so... Uh, and what it comes down to in, in very practical terms uh, uh, is that you can usually get the senior folks together and they will understand the importance of this change uh, in, in the culture. And they'll say, yes, okay, we want to be informed. We want to get the challenging questions. Uh, and you can then do seminars for people at the lower levels of the organization, and they're really excited about the possibility you know, they don't quite really believe that it's going to work. And then the place where the real challenge is is right at the middle level because you have people who are caught between the uh, directives from above and the uh, uh, challenges and the questions from below. And this is, this, is the, this is why organizations have worked so hard to shift out of this hierarchical modality where we view things from above and below, but it's that perception that there are these people above you who want certain things from you, and then there's people below you, and the people who perceive themselves in the middle, and, and technically they still are because organizations haven't yet really, they call people associates, but they're still grades within those associates. So if you have seven or eight levels of managers, the people who are at level four and five right in the middle are the ones who are really uh, up against it. And over the years, I've worked in trying to change uh, these hierarchical organizations. You have to work with where they are. So I do seminars for the senior team. I do seminars for the junior folks. And then I, I bring the middle people together for the most intense seminar, and I bring in the senior leaders, and I do, as part of the seminar, I facilitate an open dialogue with the people in the middle. For example, the people in the middle will say something like this. Okay, uh, uh, you want us to be innovative. Uh, you've called on us to get out of the box and come up with these new initiatives. Uh, but we're still held accountable for doing everything we've always been told we had to do. And if we drop the ball on that, there are severe ne- negative consequences. So what you've asked us to do seems impossible. Please advise. <laughs> and there's nothing like give, getting right? the actual uh, uh, you know, senior leader to be there in the middle of the, I usually do this at the lunch break uh, on each day of the seminar. I bring in a different senior leader, and I facilitate this dialogue. 
and you get people really talking about it and building until you until you ask the real question right to the face of the actual person and have them respond to it uh, you don't yet have the beginnings of the kind of trust you need to make this this change and this goes back to this consciousness that you described. There is no permission implicitly. There may be, or explicitly. Implicitly, there may be an understanding from senior management that mid-level management is free to do X, Y, or Z, or spend resources this way, or make these kinds of decisions. But until it has become a conscious set of uh, practices or permissions. And if I can, I want to bring you back to something that, that a previous guest mentioned, because uh, we're struggling with this. Art Kleiner had this, this book called uh, Who Matters Most? And it's this notion of core group theory that, as you're describing, there's people who are stuck in the middle or all over the organization, and, and they're looking for the they. They won't let us. And how he describes the they is that there is a handful of people in an organization, this core group, and it might be a half a dozen to a dozen people that have raised through the ranks through charisma or power or influence or some unique technical skill or talent, but they've gotten to the, the point of the organization where it's about them and the organization almost built an identity around them or kind of falls in love and caters to them. And that becomes this distance between my own ability to take action and this symbolic person who I'm replacing with my own conscious decision-making because that's easier for me. And it was a really interesting insight that we understand, and I've, I've certainly found this to be the case in, in numerous organizations that I've worked with, that we do replace our decision-making with, you know, Bob won't like that, or, or Mary, I'd love to, to go forward on this project, and it's the absolute right thing to do for the company, but Mary's never going to buy into it. She doesn't like going to Asia, or whatever the issues <laughs> are. It becomes sure. about this core group. Um, and, and once you kind of understand that, you're like, okay, great. I see that this is true. It's brought into my awareness. Well, now what? So I guess that's the question to you, Michael. So once we bring this, this day into the group and, and the senior team says, okay, you have permission, or that we understand who this sure, group sure. is, once it becomes part of our awareness or consciousness, what's the next step? Intensive executive coaching for those people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, because you know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, and there, I'll tell you, there's two, there, here's, the, the, here's the reality of it. Uh, either give, you give people a chance to get with the program. You give them every chance to get with the program. And you give them as much support as you can. You give them executive coaching. If they're absolutely going to sabotage it at all costs, they've got to go. And it's funny because I, I found myself in this ironic position as this humanistic, human potential uh, resource. A lot of the counseling I've had to give to CEOs over the years has been to let go of someone who clearly was going to do everything they possibly could to resist the change no matter what. Uh, and you, you need to be able to, to, to tell the difference, you know, how many executive coaches, gurus, seminar leaders, does it take to change a light bulb? Right. Only one, but the light bulb has to be willing to change. And when, when you have people who are not only non-performers, but who are saboteurs of uh, what you're trying to do, uh, nothing sends a more powerful message than to uh, bid them adieu. And um, it's, it's a very tough 
very tough thing, thing to do, but you don't just do it callously. You don't just do it uh, you know, without consideration of, of all the good and all the uh, history that that person has. And so you really do bring the best resources you have to give that person a chance to succeed and, and, and change and learn and grow with the rest of the organization. And here's the cool thing is when those people do uh, get with it, when they say, you know what, uh, it's about time I went to Asia, and they lead a, 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 a group to Asia, and people see that person changing. Well, the effect of that on the organization's consciousness is, is profound. So obviously I, I'd always much rather uh, get the person uh, to, to be open to change and to, to demonstrate that in their own leadership. Uh, but if they, if they absolutely won't, well, then you have to make a tough decision. Excellent. Yeah, there's some hard decisions that need to get made at times like these. Uh, we're going to need to take a short break, but there's so many other principles and elements we want to get to. I think we're going to come back, and, and if it's okay with you, talk about connexione, talk about sure. the idea of connection and, and all of the various pieces of that. Uh, so we'll take a short break and uh, return with Michael Gelb right after this. Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. Did you know? 99designs is a leading marketplace for graphic design on the Internet. Did you know? 99designs connects you to a community of over 35,000 designers who will compete to do the best work for you. Did you know? 99designs allows you to post projects for logo design, web page design, t-shirt design, and more. Did you know? 99designs projects the average of over 70 different design options for a price that you set. 99designs. When designers compete, you win. Your company's website sucks. You know it. Everybody knows it. So get a to-do list to fix it. On Target, a subscription service from Future Now and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7. Analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it. So that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash on target. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Affiliate marketing is changing rapidly. Stay ahead of the trends with Affiliate Marketing Insider. Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. You're getting fired up. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. So we're back, and we only have we have less than ten minutes to absorb everything that we can from Michael Gelb's genius brain. So where should we start? I wanted to get into Connexione because in reading your book, there's a lot of the principles that um, I think are affiliated with the with the teaching that we've had throughout the season. But this one seems right on. So why don't you tee up what is connection all about? 
Conezioni is the seventh principle for thinking like Leonardo, and I think it's perfect given the amount of time we have that uh, we've touched on the first one, although we've just touched on it, curiosità, and the seventh one is the one that brings it all together. Conezioni is based on something that Leonardo da Vinci said. He said, everything connects to everything else. So 500 years ago, Leonardo pioneered what we now call systems thinking. You know, the classic uh, systems thinking conundrum was first uh, posed by a meteorologist named Lorenz. Uh, in 1911, he asked the famous question, if a butterfly flaps its wings in Tokyo, does it affect the weather in New York? And the famous answer, of course, is, according to modern system science, is yes, indeed, it does. Well, 500 years ago, Leonardo wrote down in his notebook uh, that when a, the smallest bird alights on a tiniest branch of a tree, the whole world is affected thus. So everything connects to everything else. So how does this uh, relate to the organizational world? How does this relate to conscious capitalism? How does this relate to your own life? Well, the first thing is to have a sense of purpose. Uh, everything you do is connected to your sense of purpose. In an organization, we might call it a vision. Uh, and then you have a mission, which is what you're going to do to live out your purpose. And then you have values, which are uh, your commitments in terms of how you're going to treat all stakeholders as you live out your purpose and fulfill your mission. Then you have strategies, and the strategies and the tactics are your specific plan for making that vision manifest and living out your mission and values. Then you set specific practical goals with different time frames. Then you have uh, recruiting and hiring to bring in the people that you need to, to fulfill this vision and mission and live these values. You have training and development to help them cultivate and develop uh, the skills they need and strengthen the learning organization. You have incentive and compensation, so you're doing your best to reward people for the kinds of behaviors that you say you want to make the vision, mission, values real. And in any organization, and this is a very simplistic uh, view of Conezioni, but it's enough to give you a, a practical idea of it, there are gaps between the vision, uh, the mission, the values, and everyday reality. Uh, and the job of a leader is to ascertain what are those gaps and do something about it. And, you know, in, in these 30 years of working with groups around the world, I've, I've led many vision, mission, and values clarification retreats. But I often ask my clients, I say, uh, have you ever done this for yourself, for your own life? And they say, no, I've been too busy at work. So, you know, the final exercise in uh, how to think like Leonardo da Vinci is an exercise I call uh, uh, making a master mind map of your life. And the idea is to bring more connezioni to your own life so you define what's your purpose, what's your mission, what are your goals, strategy, and tactics, and then what are you doing every day to live those and fulfill those, what are the biggest gaps, and what are you going to do about it. So that's a simple, practical way to think about systems thinking in an organization or in your own personal life. 
And when you describe these sort of master mind maps, when we bring it back to the distinction around consciousness, is the, is the wisdom of all of these potential connections and these strategies and tactics living inside us somewhere, and the mind map brings it into consciousness? Can you talk to us maybe from a neurology standpoint or neurobiology sure, standpoint? Sure, what Well, that's happens? the beauty of it. Is, I mean, we all, you know, every guide to self-development and personal growth uh, tells you to set clear goals and to set goals in all the different areas of your life. But uh, all too often, people just set their goals with uh, half their brain. They're only using the left hemisphere, and mind mapping is a great way to get you to use your whole brain to envision the goal, to inspire your imagination, as well as your detailed planning to translate the imagination into reality. So as I am speaking to you right now, I happen to be in my desk uh, in my office, and I'm looking at my desk, and in the center, you know, I have one of those little plastic things that I move my computer mouse around on. It's clear, and underneath it, right here, is my mind map, uh, my master mind map, consolidated into my goals and visions for this year. So, I mean, like every day when I come to work and I get to my computer right there, I have vivid images of the goals in each of the areas of my life, and I can look at the whole pattern of all those goals and see how they're connected. Part of the beauty of mind mapping, which was originated by my dear friend Tony Buzan, who will tell you that he was inspired to create mind mapping partly by his study of the notebooks of Leonardo da Vinci and Thomas Edison. Uh, this is, again, where you know, we started out by talking about these great minds and how we can learn from them. And one thing that both of these great minds did was that they took very visual notes, which is an expressive of the fact that they each use both the right imaginative hemisphere and the left more logical analytical hemisphere. So mind mapping is a simple practical tool for using your whole brain to get more ideas in less time and make new connections between those ideas. And by making them more visual, you make them more memorable, which means you're more actually likely to apply them. So I am taking my mind map notes of this conversation, <laughs> and I have for the last 30 minutes, and you know because we've worked together that this is central to how I work as well, and I just want to start wrapping this up in terms of what's in my mind map to, to get to a, a close here, some of these best practices. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but to pull some of this wisdom forward and, and to leave folks with things that they can start thinking or doing differently, one of the first things that you told us to do is start setting up the organization in terms of curiosity to be free to ask the challenging questions, invite the organization to think together in solving some of the issues that the organization is facing. And when I described kind of the core group dilemma, um, one of the things that you said is, is bring these leaders what they need to be successful, coaching, support, whatever that might be. And at, at, there's a point where they're not going to be successful in supporting the change. They're going to resist or potentially demolish the change. So we want to... Um, have them leave the organization as quickly as possible, but to send a, a message to the organization also to make sure that we have the right people on the bus. So I want to highlight those couple pieces, and as we're moving to close, you're describing the mind mapping work and making these sort of master mind maps, these visions that we have that connect to strategies, that connect to tactics, that connect to the gaps that we have to address and the leader's role in addressing those gaps and giving the organization what they need to succeed, but make these things visible, create vivid images for ourselves to guide us um, forward on the things that we care about most. What else would you suggest as we're 
coming to a close here with all of your 30 years from being on stage with the Rolling Stones and juggling with Bob <laughs> Dylan to, to, you know, all of the work with, with Tai Chi and your black belt work and samurai chess to, you know, the organizational work to Leonardo and Edison. If we wrap all of your, your best stuff together in three minutes or less, what would you tell us to, to start thinking about? Uh, I would tell you to, to make sure you maintain your sense of humor and smile like the Mona Lisa. <laughs> uh, because you know, if, if, you take, if you take all this stuff too seriously and you get too worried about, gee, am I using all my potential and am I thinking like Leonardo and Edison, you can make yourself miserable. So uh, it's, it's that lighthearted but serious attitude. Uh, it's a sense of play and fun and joy and finding that in the midst of even the most stressful, challenging, difficult environments. It's sur- this is the th- maybe the thing that's mi- you know, the most missing today is taking time on a daily basis to surround yourself with inspiring beauty. Uh, I mean, in our office, uh, we usually we play Mozart through the course of the day. Uh, as I speak, I'm looking out the window now at the Sangre de Cristo Mountains. And you know what I love to remember myself is that, that they're just as beautiful as they were when my 401k was much higher. <laughs> uh, and that, that exposure on a daily basis, uh, consciously reminding yourself of uh, the, the beautiful, because in, 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 it's not something you're going to get from our mass market culture. And that there is a link between the inspiration of pure beauty, whether it's Mozart's music or uh, a beautiful sunrise uh, or just some fresh flowers on your desk uh, or contemplating a great thought from one of history's wise minds, uh, a poem, uh, whatever it happens to be, uh, but the conscious, consciously bringing more beauty into your life. You know, the good news is all, everything else we're talking about follows from that. It, it nurtures your soul. And as the soul uh, kind of emerges and expands, uh, then you'll kick in uh, you know, your ability to utilize all these tools and techniques that I teach and that all these other wonderful folks teach. That's a terrific ending. I'm gonna, um, digging a quote because there was a quote that you had in one of your other interviews, and I'm looking through my notes, and there was something that, that highlights this point that you're making. And uh, if you don't mind me quoting you, um, the love of wisdom, philosophy, and its manifestation in the quest for truth, beauty, and goodness is the thread that weaves through the lives of all the great minds you'll get to know in the pages that follow. So this is the, the last piece that you want to leave us with, that beauty uh, and understanding, or not even understanding, just experiencing the awe of beauty can lead us to the expansion of our souls, the expansion of our minds, and the openness to, to be genius. Is that a now, See, I know you just did a great job according me because I have the chills hearing that. <laughs> that's, you got some that's good what material I want. here, my exactly friend. Right. It's for some, you know, for people to get it, and it's obvious you got it. So that's awesome. <laughs> well done. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. And I want to invite our our readers or listeners to uh, check you out at michaelgelb.com. You're going to read some great articles and see some great posts on there. Also, check out consciouscapitalism.com and see what Michael's doing in the coming months with this organization. Uh, where else can they find you? Certainly, check out his books. How to think like Leonardo da Vinci. Is the Edison book out yet? 
Oh, yeah, Innovate Like Edison. It's out in paperback, actually. Um, and we have a bunch of new things coming out over the next few uh, weeks and months. Uh, there's a release of a, a new program called The Five Keys to High Performance, Juggling Your Way to Success. That's going to be an audio book uh, coming out in the next uh, month or so. And then I have a really exciting book coming out in, uh, in the spring called Wine Drinking for Inspired Thinking, Uncork Your Creative Juices. So there's something to look forward to for next year. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, and I did have the opportunity to do a wine tasting with Michael, and uh, the fact that he can weave together business consciousness and wine is worth <laughs> worth taking a read just in itself. Um, so uh, yeah. Check out that stuff, and I just want to remind our listeners again, check us out at twitter.com forward slash fired up radio uh, and give us your thoughts of what you want to see in the coming weeks. Know that when we're talking about inspiration and beauty, it's a great tee up for what we have. Uh, I think it's either next week or the week after uh, having Terry Pierce return, who's going to focus the entire episode on inspiration and what he's learning about inspiration in his PhD work. We also have the Pinchos, uh, Gifford and Elizabeth Pinchot talking to us about the innovative organization or the intelligent organization and looking at networks and communities and the same kind of things, Connexioni, that Michael's talking about. So check us out in the coming weeks. Thank you again, Michael, for joining, and we hope to keep in touch. Grazie mille.